Welcome to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness, Season 3, and this is Episode 5. My name is Travis, and I will be your keeper tonight. The story thus far revolves around the death of Mr. Merriweather and the contents of his last will and testimony, in which was left to our investigators a small property and other interesting artifacts that concern themselves with a spirit, sometimes referred to as a jinn that is evidently the result of a failed ritual which occurred when the late Merriweather was a young man. He has tasked our investigators with banishing this evil entity, and thus far the investigators have concerned themselves with a tome called the De Vermis Mysterious, and when we last played, Detective Glover and Mr. Whitmire had set off to Ross's Corners to examine the property, while Dr. Andrews and Mr. Monroe continued to decipher the written clues in their possession. So we will begin our story with Dr. Andrews as he pours over a copy, reportedly cursed, of the Mysteries of the Worm. But first, let us get an introduction from our dogged investigators. (laughs) Hello, I'm Chris. I'm playing Detective Jack Glover, currently on suspension for a shooting. And I wish, if ever I encounter this genie, for more wishes. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can do that. I'm Brandon. I'm playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, I'm currently studying this tome in the library. And uh, I think I had just recognized the symbol in this book that I had also seen engraved on the floor at Dennis Clark's study when I took the book from his lifeless corpse. Yeah. Scooped out lifeless corpse. <laughs> yeah. I'm Justin, playing Lance Monroe, who is just ecstatic at the number of new occult references and resources that are <laughs> flowing into his possession every day. Too good to be true. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder if his I'm wish John has already come playing through. James Whitmire, and if we do encounter the djinn, I am going to wish that Detective Glover does not have any more wishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, my memory fails me, Mr. Monroe. Did you travel with Andrews to the library, or were you staying back in your... Yeah, yeah, I went with him to the library, okay. and I was going to work on the Egyptian translations there with the references they had. Okay. All right, so um, when you were a boy, Dr. Andrews, you lived in Montana, Billings, Montana, Correct. which in those days was a railroad town with one major intersection. Uh, on one bright day... After church had let out, you were standing in front of uh, the general store there, along with your sister, watching folks cross the intersection, hurrying when necessary when some wagon would come, you know, charging through. 
And on this day, there was a girl crossing the wide dirt road, trailing her family, her white flower pattern, Sunday dress, sort of flashing in the sun. That's what caught your eye. And uh, at one point, she drops her dolly. And when she turned to pick it up, a big wagon, the kind with a four-horse team and wheels higher than your head at that time, ran her down. And there was sort of a collective gasp that maybe came from yourself and the people who were watching. And then her father, red-faced, came and gathered up her crumpled body and went off to hopefully tend to her. But you found out later that day that she had died. And so generally that intersection was happy memories for you because that was before your sister started having her troubles, you know, mentally. But it was ever after colored with that event, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the sensation you kind of get while you're sitting in the Widner Library in this reading room, uh, you know, looking over. You've just seen this symbol. There's something that even though you're in a relatively safe place with people doing things that aren't generally dangerous, reading books, <laughs> studying, mm -hmm. you know, you just know that, you know, perhaps fate can strike, bad luck. Uh, as a doctor, like you were a family doctor, right? Yeah. You found that most people, if they make it out of child, early childhood, can expect to live a while. You know, it's actually kind of rare where, where these freak accidents sort of happen and people die. That's what makes them so memorable. I mean, in uh, at scale, there's a lot of them. But yeah, but you just can't shake this feeling of like approaching fate. Like you often wondered, was it fate because you had... This thing traveling this way and this girl traveling that way. And they met at that moment and that time and she died. So, yeah, it's just always there hanging over your head mm. uh, since you woke up this morning, particularly since you were almost run down mm. by a car that jumped the curb. You know? Yeah. Does his gimp hand itch? <laughs> <laughs> it does on occasion. The skin is Not always gimp. tight. You have to keep it moisturized yeah <laughs> otherwise it tears i keep petroleum jelly in my glove right just <laughs> keep it soft your for, hand the, in the <laughs> for the ladies yeah. <laughs> like that one character in of mice and men <laughs> yeah sorry derail you i just was wondering uh -oh. if uh his <laughs> no, hand was t giving him a warning or not <laughs> no it's not currently itching although it does often but you had uh in the early part of the morning failed a latin roll but You've kind of gone on enough that we can take another crack at it. So after you'd found that symbol, which I had already shared with you guys previously, but uh, looks something like a pentagram. Let me show it to you guys again. Bring it up on the screen. Oh, it looks like that. But anyhow. I, I think that uh, I've seen Detective Glover make a mark like that on a signature line on some paperwork at that Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I need to get that tattooed on me. <laughs> Yeah, but as you, you know, in the last few months, you've read a lot of occult books and the pentagrams or circles of protection are, are a big thing in yeah. dealing with entities. And that's what this kind of looks like to you. Of course, you failed to really comprehend the words surrounding it, but we'll give you another uh, Latin roll as you're perusing around again. You've got deeper into the book. Well, I'll get around to rolling it eventually. Okay. You can bet on that. Just sit right well, there. Mr. As you know, uh, time is an illusion. Yeah. So. <laughs> running slow here. So you can just use your hand to make it happen at a good time. Can he speed read uh, better? <laughs> if he, yeah, using the, the gimpy hand. <laughs> You'll have to try it. This is taking too long. Will it absorb the knowledge from the page, or is it just time affecting? Inquiring minds need to know. Failed Brandon. again? Yeah. Oh, shit. 
What? Is, oh, you're a 50? Yeah. Yeah, so you're not quite fluent. You get caught up a lot. But uh, a chapter title does catch your eye. It's uh, Saracen Rituals. And the opening part of it, what it talks about, seems pertinent to what you're doing. Because the author who you've come to know as Ludwig Van Pryn, he... Uh, but yeah, he says at this chapter that he'll speak of the oldest god of all Egypt, reveal the lore of the Ifrit and the Jinn, the secrets of the assassin sects, the myths of Arabian cool tales, and the hidden practices of dervish cults. So that kind of, like the terms that you're able to pick out, although it's surrounded by a bunch of stuff you're not, it's taking you time to translate. So Okay. But yeah, you don't really have anything new to gain except look up definitions and make sure you're getting it right. So we'll yeah. pop over to Mr. Monroe, who Good. you've already passed your archaeology or whichever role to do the deciphering. It's just a yeah. matter of time now. Yeah. Just three days was what was said. Oh, this is day two. Yep. So we can get a little further. You got Seeker of Wisdom, Servant, or Son of Yog Sateth. Is that as far as you got? I believe so. Uh, See if I can find where it was in my seeker of wisdom, servant son, Seth, Yog Yeah, that's all I had. Okay, so you have a couple more lines. Uh, one, the next one says, deliverer of the people, or perhaps it's slaves. There's an issue with the, the word, doesn't come directly across. So, deliverer of the people of the water and bearer of the spirits of Narloth Hotep. Mm. Deliverer of the people. Slash slave of the water and bearer of the of the what? The spirits of Narlothotep. So this is like slave or people of the water, like uh, and then comma, and then you go on to a new line. So this is kind of written like a poem or perhaps mm. a song, and the way they spell that name, which was a difficult translation, because it appears to be. The name of somebody or something. Those are always the most difficult. But Hotep mm -hmm. is used in a lot of different Egyptian names. Yeah. Like Bubba. Mm -hmm. Bubba Hotep. Now, I'm trying to remember. We didn't... Like, this is a much more ancient dialect than we're used to... Than I was used to seeing, right? Yeah, so you have, like, three Egyptian dialects. You have the ancient mm -hmm. one, and then you have one that's a little bit later, and... A more recent one. That's where they found, uh, along with Greek on the Rosetta Stone, that's how they were able to yeah. decipher them all because it had all three plus Greek yeah. on them. So this is the very ancient most. Yeah. And so seeing the name Narlothotep there, like I'd always associated it with kind of a more recent one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that'll, that'll kind of shock me that that is in something as ancient as this. Yes. Yeah, you can make a Cthulhu Mythos role. Upon coming across that. Let's see if you still got them rolls going. Well, no, these are only to keep me... Like, I, I fail anything that's not... Pertinent. Life or death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. come on. See? Yeah. Close. You can't luck mythos, huh? Or can you? Question. I always forget that one. I don't know if I'd want to give up the 15 luck, though. Yeah. Well, it's better than pushing. I'd never push a mythos roll. <laughs> yeah, not with an 11. Because uh, stuff might be life or death like threatening on other stuff but it's almost always going to be very fatal if you mess with a mythos thing yeah because you can fail it and then 
Travis would be like, oh, you do remember exactly <laughs> what you need to remember. Yeah. So, I mean, you've come across this name, Narlathotep. Uh, perhaps uh, you think it was in the Liber Ivanus, although you would have to. I, I think I've heard that in several places. Like in the right. dream world, I'm pretty sure that they had mentioned yeah. Narlathotep. Um, yeah. And the Liber Ivanus. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a name that that's associated with. Yeah, well, you're starting with to, uh, with the, the bits and pieces you've come together, you're, you're starting to kind of maybe think of it in the same category as Zagua, where mm. uh, people seem to be supplicants when it comes to Narlathotep. They, he's some sort of great figure, uh, but you don't know enough really at this point to make much more sense than that. But that would be today's uh, work in translation okay. and... Um, did you guys want to break it all from the library and go on to do other things or just keep plugging away at it? Yeah, I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, if he needs any help, like, translating some Latin that he's struggling with, I can yeah, help you can, him. And... I mean, you're close on a lot of things, Andrew, so if you want Monroe's input on something, he can take a crack at it. Okay. So it was uh, Narthlotep for Monroe also kind of like, I don't know, like seeing a number and then it constantly keep yeah. popping up. He's, right. he's now seen the name a bunch of places and he kind of just, was it always like this? or Right, because now it? it just seems to always be coming up in our lothotep. But that spelling that you got from it is a derivation that you came up with because, as I said, it was a proper noun, right? So yeah. The, uh, so you, you've seen, when you see when you saw it written in Latin, the spelling was a little bit different, but basically came out the same way. So you're not fully sure on the pronunciation yet. Okay. Yeah, because like, but they they could almost do a almost a direct translation from that, right? Like it'd be like from Black Latin. Pharaoh yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know how they'd signify a noun. I don't know enough Latin. Only did one session uh, Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has the advantage of using the same alphabet, whereas. He's coming from Egyptian hieroglyphs over to English. Yeah. And a lot of it like just sounded like someone speaking English with uh, like a weird accent on a lot of the words, yeah. you know, kind of like we kind of get that, like I can understand like a bunch of Spanish, but I couldn't speak it to you type thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you broke it um, because the Hotep part of it is used in a lot of Egyptian pharaoh names and it means to like be at peace or at rest. Okay. Uh, you don't know what the first part would signify. Oh, so how did your... I'm not getting a Latin rule from you, Justin. Oh. Did I ask for one? Because if I didn't, that's what I meant. All right. Could... Uh, nope. <laughs> a what? Push it. You can push that. That's a 60. So you think the the <clears throat> main actual problem you guys are running in is, is his handwritten. Okay. Uh, so some of it is in the characters just not being clear enough, you know. But yeah, I'll work with them for. I'm. I'm not going to push this one. But <laughs> do we have? Um, Forgotten the face of your father. The other copy with us. Uh, I don't know if Justin brought it or not, or if Monroe brought it. Yeah, I probably would not let that out of my sight right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's always a smart thing because we've lost tomes before. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. You. Uh, you do have the other copy. Yeah. So I guess I would just start. You know when I run into like the handwriting issue i'd check the other one and see hmm. so yeah the other one does seem to be written by the same hand oh, okay uh because there are the handwriting looks the same 
but there are huge differences in like when sometimes the words will kind of shrink yeah. as he runs out of space on a page or something like that. Uh, so when that occurs, and also you even see phrasings are different, almost like maybe he was just, he knew the gist of it. Any, and so okay. he was writing it down from copy to copy. Yeah. So there, yeah, there are a lot of differences when you, the little bits that you're able to pick out and know what they mean in English, it'll be a totally different phrasing, but mean the same thing with differences though, you know, right. almost like different drafts of yeah. you know, something where it's like, I could do this, I can make this clearer. Right. It's one more refined than the other. You you can't really tell because in that it. way yet. Yeah, but yeah. they both have a similar binding, that sort of thing. They're okay. in roughly the same condition, except for the one that had blood on it. That recent damage has occurred. All right, so I guess with that, some failed rolls. You guys are pretty much stuck there. Um, yeah, until you can make another check. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I would reach a point where I'd be like, okay, maybe tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah, don't we also have another professor looking into stuff too? Like one of Brandon's friends, right? I do have one. He's looking at the Merwitter Chronic. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then uh, I think, was it Monroe that arranged to meet with an undergrad? Yeah, he's going to help me. help with the... Yeah, verify my translation. Yeah. And then at some point today, I'd like to stop by Orion's and see if he mm -hmm. had managed to... Oh, okay. Find anything that might be coming in to help us understand Jin a little more. Okay. Yeah, we can play through that. Uh, but I can do that on on the way back to to my home. I gotta wait for John to make it back before I can switch over to those two. He said he'd be right back in five to ten minutes. But uh, yeah. So you guys kind of wrap it up there. Um, not that you don't have more time you could use in the library, but that you've just kind of reached your limit. Yeah. And you need a, a fresh day. So. Can I also use this time to kind of cozy up to the librarian and <laughs> and the new one that uh, won't let me into the restricted section? Which, uh, was it Caitlin? Yeah. Is that the yeah, one? Yeah, I believe she was the one. But yeah. Um, you can definitely try. She was mildly annoyed at your her interactions with you the right. day before. So we'll be starting at the hard uh, skill level. Are you going to go in with your persuasion, I take it? Yeah. And... Yeah, I'm not going to, like, push anything, but, you know, say hello, you know, ask her if she, you know, just general chit-chat and yeah. that kind of stuff to try and get her a little more. Uh, Maybe acknowledge the faux pas from the previous day. Yeah, and, and I apologize for this. Uh, I didn't my, give you a flyer. My enthusiasm puts blinders on me sometimes, that yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, so at the hard level. All right. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Uh... Okay, and... that one I'll spend. I'll spend five luck on that. <laughs> okay, down to ten. My luck? Oh, what's your luck these days? Fifty-six. Okay, you're fine. <laughs> I'll worry about spending fifteen. <laughs> well, being careful with my luck's the only reason Lance has survived this long. Because I, I think in the first series in Peru, I ended up spending like forty in in the last game session or something like that, just to keep myself alive. Yeah. Same. Mm -hmm. yeah so um she starts to thaw after a little while uh and she says well yes like a lot of the professors who come in here they you know they get similarly focused <laughs> on their work so i suppose it happens to many of us um so are you going to be no i'm not going to push anything not going to ask for anything today just 
trying to lay the groundwork for any right. any future requests. She's just chit-chatting with you, asking you if you're going to be attending Harvard this year, or... I'll say, um, no, I believe my schooling days are done, although, you know, with some of the things that I've been researching, you know, I, I may speak to some of the professors and lend some of my expertise in unusual areas to any any understanding they may need. So what is it that you're researching? I mean, I know it's associated with the occult, but... Well, we came across this little sarcophagus that has some ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics on it that don't seem to match up with the current understanding of, of uh, the culture and its place in the world. So um, some things that point to perhaps a precursor culture to Egyptian. And so I am voraciously trying to gain as much information and understanding as I can of what we currently know so that I'm not making any blind assumptions. You're not one of those uh, spiritualist types, are you? I got roped into going to a presentation with a friend of mine, and they had a lot of Egyptian imagery. Uh, they have some some thing they were pushing. I can't remember the name of it. It was like theology. That's not right. Theosophy is what they were selling. You're not one of those people, are you? Because, look, I just go to church on Sundays. Oh, Ma'am, I, I assure you that I am just a man with an open mind that is seeking the truth. Hmm. That's what kind of disturbs me. But she's kind yeah. of saying it in a, a polite way now. You know, maybe just yanking your chain a little bit. Yeah. No, I say, well, we'll allow my research to speak for itself if it ever comes to light. But okay. in the meantime, it is a major part of my focus. And I truly appreciate any of your help that you have given us so far. Well, you're welcome. I have more books to shuffle around and fetch for people. So very well. I'll be wishing you a good day, Mr. Monroe. Thank you for your time. Yeah. So when you guys leave the library, you had mentioned you wanted to go stop by Orion's. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrews, he had, Monroe had obviously given you his whole itinerary for the rest of the day, verbally yeah. at multiple points. <laughs> Did you want to accompany him or are you going to go on to other matters? No, I mean, I'll just stay with him. I don't have other matters. Right. And I don't want to go home because then I'll just get back into reading this stupid book yeah. and I can't. Well, or thinking about that feeling too much. Yeah. You know. If you'd like, we could also stop by the professor that's got the Merwitter Chronicles and see if he's made any progress on it. No, it hasn't been enough time. Okay. Like he said that would take him. I think he said it would take him three weeks. Okay. Yeah. And that was only yesterday. To translate to modern English, yeah. Yeah, he said see, $2 a day and it would take, week, yeah, like three weeks is what he said. Mm. And he was mad at me for carrying it in a satchel. Mm. But what am I supposed to carry it in, Monroe? What else am I going to carry it in? Well, things of that nature that are that <laughs> delicate would usually require some sort of a um, padded container that yeah, helps well, seal out any kind of moisture. Or I don't have anything like that. Ah. So let's move on, okay? I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. All right, so we'll cut the scene there as you guys are walking on the Boston streets up to Orion's and travel over to Ross's corner where Detective Glover and Mr. Whitmire are back in their car. Um, 
traveling down that main road there. Much earlier in the day, I believe. Yeah, I think you guys would be there around noon, right? Uh-huh. Uh, or a little past noon because you had picked up lunch, some ham and cheese and mustard to go with it. And I had described this town as being sort of economically depressed, which is true. You don't see a ton of people like on the main road. Like you see an old guy who just makes you uncomfortable to look at the way his shoulders kind of poke up in his shirt, you know, and his pants are hiked up too high. And uh, when he sees your car pass, he kind of draws back the squints and draws back his upper lip to look at you. But he waves, you know, kind of uh, in a good enough nature. Yeah, I'll wave back. And you see uh, two boys. One has a, like a tin can with a string around it. And that's tied around his ankle. And he's running away from the other one. And the other one's chasing him, trying to get the can. And uh, Whitmire's a good enough driver that you were keeping an eye on him. And you had to brake hard. But you have managed to stop yourself from hitting them when they suddenly veered into the road as children have a special magnetism with moving vehicles, Mm -hmm. as Dr. Andrews is aware from his recollection. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, you get out of the town. You do see the sheriff, you think, coming. He just has a a pickup truck that's marked that he's the sheriff for this county, and he waves as you guys pass. He's heading back towards town. You guys are going out. I should also mention that a as it turns into a dirt road and a old timey car makes for a pretty bumpy ride. So you guys are pretty well shaken. Probably you more so than uh, Whitmire because he can anticipate bumps and whatnot. But yeah, it's uh, not a modern suspension in there, so <laughs> it's not comfortable. But um, after a while, you do see that tree she was talking about the the blacked out husk of a tree that looked like it had been struck by lightning a few years back and an overgrown gravel track that turns off the main road there. Jesus, Whitmire, which war did you learn to drive in? <laughs> well, you, you can't account for all these J's. Yeah, I'll Let's... be out here. I'll get out of the car. <laughs> all right, wait a Are we stopped? I forget, Jess. I no, said I'm, you I'm saw the turn off, so... Yeah, so I'll be like already trying to nurse my back. <laughs> uh, when will they ever learn that the, the roads are for cars? Not for you have a steering wheel, you can avoid them. You can avoid these potholes too. I don't see you doing that. <laughs> when will potholes ever learn the streets are for cars? <laughs> As, uh, I tell you to hurry up, but I want to keep my teeth intact. Yeah, I I don't think uh, speeding up is the solution. Whitmire, you're kind of wondering if you're in the part of town because you really ran in Boston. You know, you delivered to the speakeasies and, and whatnot when you were doing that. But you had heard Patrick Malone had an operation somewhere out uh, this way. You know, the, it kind of looks like bootleg or steel country to you, you think. You know, you could be relatively in that area. He thinks he yeah. can smell a, yeah. a hooch yeah. uh, making area. Yeah. I mean, not literally, but you're starting to mm-hmm. to wonder if that's going on here. Smells a mash about ready to go off. <laughs> but yeah, you do have that turn off, uh, that gravel likely, patch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take the turn off. And uh, were there in, in, in any of those uh, of those stories that we had heard or read? The accounts of uh, of the hauntings or uh, mysterious goings on. Was there any uh, any idea that we could get as far as how 
how far the the reach of this gin is like that we hear of people dying on this main all road the way to here. Manhattan. <laughs> well, the the account from Merriweather in his letter and in his journals made it seem like the spirit was at least tethered to the house, uh, if not bound in it for a time. But he did mention that his death would uh, free the spirit to uh, to move yeah. about more openly. So, yeah, and that's, that's probably been, why there's so many potholes. <laughs> he's just a real butthead he's of a spirit. Just, yeah, he just makes potholes. Yeah. like potholes all over <laughs> these roads. No one's getting a smooth ride. They'll turn back long before they reach me. Yep. Uh. <laughs> no one likes minor inconveniences and aches. All okay, right. with, uh, with Meyer, when you let me move your move you guys over to a map, uh, I suppose. Wonder why the sheriff didn't stop us to talk. Small town like this. Probably only see one or two people a day, maybe. Maybe even as much as a week. Figure he'd be stopping everyone with a mission person. All right, she's just missing uh, right now, or is she yeah, dead? Yeah, that's, she said, uh, according to the woman at the general store, she said she had gone for a walk yesterday, was reported missing this morning because she never came back. So, yeah, okay, I'll, so I'll pull up more outside. I, I don't want to hit that drive, um... Just off the side of the road? Yeah, just, just kind of off the side. Maybe even go a little bit past it. Uh, Do you like, like... In between Boone Road and Dead Tree. I think there. you might be able to move your car if you want to. I don't know if I gave you guys permission. You can try. I can't. Move it. Okay. I can't well, click it. Oh, wait. Hold let up. me see if I can do that. The, no. Yeah, I can't click it. All players can drive the car. No, okay, no, try I can. it now. Move it wherever you'd like it to be. I don't know how to turn it, though. I think you just uh, use the wheel, don't you? It has a little uh, Oh yeah, the... the tail sticking up off of it. You just move that around. Yeah, right cool. there. Even I knew that. Well, <laughs> I think you can also... Driving. <laughs> There's also the hotkey version, I think. Alt or something while you scroll. It'll yeah, well... I... Right there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll be kind of tailing Whitmire, figuring yeah. he's done this type of stuff before, so it's his show. Everybody else just seeing a green background and a black box. Yeah, it's because yeah, you guys don't have there. a token there. Did you uh, want to see it? No, I could put I you on there yeah, as an observer. Should, I have no interest it in too. it whatsoever. Yeah, I'll, I don't. Yeah, I'll uh, close my eyes if you try to <laughs> actively plug your ears. You Turn it off my computer. You guys have a hive mind. You're a Cthulhu entity. All right. Okay, so yeah, you um, pull off to the side of the road just past that tree, and you can't see much because they have sort of a screen of trees growing, although you do see the peak of an old barn a bit distance uh, beyond that set of trees that's blocking your view. Yeah, so the idea, pull up a little bit past the drive there and then come around. I mean, I, I know it's a, it's a, an otherworldly entity, but old habits are hard to break. <laughs> so, right. and then, you know, kind of come back to the road here and and that way I can start looking down the drive and I think that the end goal here is to probably end up somewhere over on this side. Um, try and get an idea of, of the, the property here. Yeah, you don't want to have to turn around an old vehicle. Mm. You know, no power steering, nothing like that. So you're thinking with your criminal mind. All right. So, yeah, you guys are standing there at the the head of that. Or right by that tree. So you can see that 
that gravel road comes to an end a little ways off and it opens up from this screen of trees into a field where uh, wildflowers have kind of run am amok. But it looks pretty nice this time of year because they're all in bloom. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be kind of standing there looking at, you know, waiting for Whitmire to go in. You know, like, what are you going to do? Like, wait for mosh to grow on your feet? <laughs> no, just get it. You gotta Take get it in. A, the lay of the land here for you. Just you don't just rush headlong into these things. Trust me, I've got plenty of experience with uh, making fool decisions. <laughs> I believe that. I believe you that you believe that. But we're burning daylight here. I, I kind of want to get back to town and sleep in a warm bed, as opposed to some uh, cot out here in the boonies. As can I do a. Uh, it's like a spot hidden. See if I see anything looking out of the ordinary. No, you, for, from here, there is nothing that looks out of the ordinary. It, it fits with the tale you've heard about it thus far that it's just been abandoned for many, many years. If we wait any longer, it's going to collapse. But you don't really have like a great angle on the house. You can see, you know, a little bit of it. It's just an old salt, salt box house. So, you know, it's just a a rectangle that somebody put down there. It doesn't, looks like it's one level, at least from the outside, although it does have a, an attic, you know, not one that you would get up and move around in, but just basically a place you could put some stuff up there because it's steepled a bit. Uh, but yeah, you would actually have to, to head down that path, which is choked with weeds, but then there's kind of like a, it's more of a field and there's a bunch of wild flowers growing in there. So I, I will... Uh... I will do the the ancient, uh, or the I'm sorry, the well-known uh, 1920s word against gins, and start <laughs> to make my way <laughs> forward the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah down the path. Well, you see some points of interest on the property. It runs for a ways before it looks like it goes into woodlands. Um, to the south, you the field goes on for a while and you think you can make out the mound of an old railroad track. You know how they kind of put some, make an earthwork and then lay the track on that. Mm. You think yeah. you can make that out and, and you're pretty sure that's what it is. Cause you think you see the old train, uh, abandoned train depot building, you know, some ways distant down there. At least that's what you think it is. But yeah, you can make out, looks like there's a, an old porch swing where the remains of it are just laying down, uh, by a tree. You can see a privy off there, a lean-to where firewood and stuff would be stored, um, and also like a garden a garden plot. It looks a little bit more well-tended than the rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, continue to, to make the way down there and hopefully don't die. Yeah, any particular one of those points seem interesting to you to go walk over and poke your well, toe in? or I... Or are you going to do the most careful circle around the house and bar? Oh, yeah. 100 foot <laughs> yeah, circle. Right. I'm not even going to look at it through binoculars just in case. <laughs> As I, I think, like, with this layout, I would probably go more this way and then try and make my way around kind of the outskirt area here. Yeah. So you see, there's an old trail. That was kind of worn down from when people lived here that led off to the privy. You can see it off off there to the east as you look. Uh, but the privy still seems to be standing for now. Uh, you 
not too keen on using it right away. Hmm. You'd want to get a better look at it, but it's mostly intact. Beyond that, you can see the uh, decayed barn that's behind the house. That was the taller structure that you saw from beyond the trees. This one looks a little perilous to go into, but it too is mostly upright. And there's some ancient logs stacked into it by that collapsed lean-to that look pretty water-soaked and oh, mossy. <laughs> good firewood gone to... <laughs> but, I mean, you could put them somewhere where they might dry out over time. Well, um, we're, we're not here for firewood. <laughs> all right, so uh, when he when he takes off that way, I'll figure, you know, I'll do what uh, I'd do if I was like, out here with a fellow cop i'll start working my way around to the front then okay figure he's gonna probably kind of hit the back way kind of more like you're by the porch swing there you see that mm -hmm. garden plot there you can give me a spot hidden as you're kind of coming near to the front of the house i suppose i should look at that <laughs> success nice all right so you there's actually a me too or just him uh just him for now okay as he's kind of moving the opposite direction but you see in the growth that's right by the house, so, you know, like in this area. Okay. You see uh, what looks like there's a dead animal in there. Raccoon would be your guess, although you don't see a lot of raccoons in Boise, uh, <laughs> Boston. But, yeah, it's laying in like about knee-high grass um, that's grown up around the side of the building. Yeah, I'll go check it out. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I have a pocket knife on me or something. I'll kind of... Uh... Well, first, how I'll I'll go check it out. If it's badly decayed, I'll leave it. Or no, it's decaying. it seems like it's recently dead. It's in the process of uh, decaying, but it's not decayed, right? It's, right. You can see it's starting. Like the eyes are milky, have, yeah, right. that sort of thing. And it's you think probably about thirty pounds. This raccoon. And you said you were going to do what with your knife now? Oh, I was going to you know maybe poke or prod it, uh, see if I could. Uh, Maybe determine like how it was killed. Was it hit by yeah. a car? Maybe on the road out there. Look for some collapsed ribs or something. Yeah. So you, with that blade, you kind of lift up one of its four paws and get a better look at its chest. And you can see that a large hole has kind of been bored in that chest cavity, like something punctured it. But um, you give me a science, biology, medicine, or natural world if you have any of those. Natural. Ooh, natural world's only at 10. What was the other one? Biology? Yeah. Science, which... biology, or natural world? Yes. Was there a third Or one? medicine. Medicine. Ah, natural world it is. Nope. Yeah, so you think like a maybe a fox or mm. something like that could have done, could have caused such a thing, but yeah, it just looks like it oh. took a wound to the chest. Uh, does it register any similarities to the description of the guy that was killed in new york yeah you know since that uh pops into your head at the same time and you know you were thinking oh like a fox or some other predator got a hold of it you do realize that the holes around this wound or the hole is kind of smooth right like mm -hmm. it wouldn't it's not a tear or, or a bite it's almost like a spear maybe but you see that the ribs are kind of wrenched open like an out so it's kind of throwing throwing a couple of different mixed signals at you. Yeah, I'll, uh, but you're not thinking it's an animal so much anymore. Yeah, I'll uh, if there's like a stick nearby to yeah. kind of help me, I'll use stick and knife so I'm not touching it. Okay. And uh, if I can splay it open, 
I will if it's like ready to be splayed open. Yeah. If not, I'll kind of give a quick cut and right. see if I can. What would that be? Not quite a bisect, uh, but you know, open it up. And yeah, yeah. See if it is in fact hollowed out. Yeah. So um, back over at Whitmire, while you're in the process of doing that, you're rounding the north side of that barn, and you're thinking any bad storm comes through here might put that barn, you know, topple it over. But then you come over to the east side where you have pretty much just a nice stretch of field full of wildflowers before you get uh, to. So you're like coming this way. Is that right, John? Yeah. Yeah. Before you get to um, some forest, some woods. Okay. There's a, in reality, though, I'm thinking, man, I would really rather be anywhere else. <laughs> I'm too close. <laughs> I'm too drive close. out here. <laughs> What's worse is you drove out here with a guy who doesn't believe any of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just flashbacks of old gods and <laughs> mere people who were chasing. Hi. You can make out a water well, too, on that uh, side of the house, the east side of the house. Has um, he lost track of me? That barn have uh, just... Yeah, I uh, can't see you from where he's at. Did it have a door at the end that I'd passed up over this way? Yeah, it had, uh, on that side, it has a bigger set of doors on the side by the house. It just has a single entry, like a single person door. Open or closed? Uh, they're, they're both sort of hanging off the hinges, so you can kind of peek in there. Yeah, Let's say the, it, as you're facing it, the left door is still properly hinged, but the other one's sort of hanging at a slant. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll actually take a look in there real quick, see if I see what I can see. Yeah, so you have I'll some... i use my supernatural uh, vision, though. <laughs> what supernatural vision is that? Moonshine Just eyes. normal. <laughs> Moonshine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, like, squint really hard. And uh, everybody knows mm -hmm. that that reveals gins, at least in the 1920s. Well, on top of the barn looking hazardous in its construction, you see a bunch of, like, old, rusted-out, old-timey farm implements, you know, so kind of like the... Uh, Pitchfork. Uh, yeah. And they're kind of clattered this way and that, and as well as a few of the crossbeams that came from the rafters that have splintered and fallen down. So no. it's kind of a jumble of stuff in there. I mean, you do see like a few things that are still in, in decent shape, you know, like there's a there's still a, a lantern hanging from a peg that might be in working order if you a got scythe. Some, some oil. <laughs> yeah, the scythe is <laughs> looks recently oiled and razor sharp. Not really. Have, but. have uh, we seen any any wildlife on the property? Uh, birds? Yeah, uh, you hear birds calling. Like from on the property, right? No, more from Not the trees like, on okay. both sides. Uh, you do see, when you glimpse up in the rafters, you do see like an old uh, nest that was kind of made up in the joint between two beams. Although you're not a bird expert, so you don't know what kind of bird would have roosted there. Uh, it's a pigeon. Everybody knows that. Pigeons are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's the only bird that exists is a pigeon. Eyes and ears for the old gods. All right, so... Uh, I'll start making my way around downtown. towards the front. Yeah, downtown. Okay. Go back around, hop in the car, and take <laughs> off really quick. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're nearing that old well. Uh, it doesn't seem like it has like a bucket or anything, although it does have the, the little cross beam. With which you could attach one and lower it. Go take a look into that real quick, as uh, haphazardly as possible. 
You just hear a splash from around the corner. <laughs> uh, That's what I figure was is coming no matter what, though. No, uh, you do see from the daylight, you see the reflection down in the water at the bottom of the well. Uh, it's just got a bunch of leaves and other debris floating on top of it. Does it smell fouled? No, it still smells good as far as that goes, as far as you're a judge of it. Um, so... Any Mr. windows to the house at all? Yes, yes. Is, yeah, so they're... to see through any of them, or they're covered? Yeah, most of them are broken. The ones intact are filthy and kind of resemble frosted glass due to years of dirt and dust that have accumulated. So yeah, you can look in there, you can peek in through one of those if you want. I don't want to get too close to it just <laughs> yet, but uh, like, you know, is kind of yeah, get up on tippy toes there and start yeah, looking... Trying to see what you can see, as I know it's not super effective, but you can never be too cautious when there's a detective involved. Yeah, well, that room you peer into, you know, looks dirty and untouched. Uh, you know, when you get your fe- your head up enough to see it, you catch a foul odor from the room. Looks dusty. Is there... it like sheeted up or? No, covered? there's the furniture's uncovered and uh, it's just. Thickly covered with dust. And you know, dead leaves and other things have blown in through these broken windows over time. So they're sort of gathered in little corners here and there. You can make out... Smell, the distinct smell of death. Tough for you to put your finger on, which for your experience is something that gets the hair on the back of your neck to raise. Okay. But other than that, you see like a table with some broken chairs around it. It looks like there's an old couch. In an old uh, sort of easy chair type thing, although not quite. It's more like a wing back, um, and that's as much as you could make out in the dim, the dimness. Yeah. I'll I'll finish my circuit and uh, expect to come upon Detective Glover towards the front here. Yeah, so Glover, you're just sort of standing from your ex- examination, where you kind of opened it up a little bit more, and you realize that the heart is missing. From the raccoon. All right. Although you remember in that report, you think there was like tongue and some other stuff missing from uh, that fella that died all those years back. But the raccoon's heart is missing. All right. Yeah, so I'll uh, get up and cast about for Whitmire. I'm sure I might have seen him out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. Skulking about. Yeah, he's come around the corner at that point. Um, You can give me a spot hidden uh, Whitmire as you come around the corner. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll what, and then I'll wipe my knife off in the grass and put it back in my pocket. I've succeeded hard. Mm. Yeah, so he's, you come around the corner, you see Detective Glover cleaning up his knife and you're glancing to the south to that, where it says garden plot. And you actually spot amongst the wild growing stuff there, like a more well-ordered, you know, like a two row patch where it looks like they've been recently tended. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, uh. And I don't know why you'd be, you know, it's it's no time for for games here. You know, you're poking around like as much as everybody loves <laughs> poking dead wildlife. You know, we're out here on business. Are you actually saying that to me? Or are you joking? <laughs> no, that's just what I'm okay. thinking, though. Yes, yeah, so I'll start making my way over to Whitmire, and I'll, I'll start I'm making my beat way to the garden plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think if you guys thought about it, uh, something kind of spooked Glover and where you thought of how that murder went down, mm-hmm. a guy being hollowed out, that sort of, or 
that sort of thing, and you were checking on it. So, you know, there's something that's a little off in that regard. And oh. then Whitmire, you caught that smell, right? So, I mean, that might yeah. both be on your faces to some degree. Yeah. So, uh, got a dead raccoon. Uh, pretty fresh, just starting to decay by the looks of it. It's missing its heart. Uh, for some reason, something about the way it was opened up, too, uh, kind of reminds me of that, that one murder out of New York. But uh, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I'm not enough of a man of the woods or the wilds to tell you how an animal goes about eating and taking apart someone. Maybe that's just how these animals eat raccoons out here. Just, you know, scoop a heart out, leave the rest. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of a an animal being picky about what it eats, but uh, uh, there, uh, there's definitely something foul in that house. As uh, I can't quite place the smell, but uh, yeah, you, you get a good whiff of it um, over over by that well. And did did you notice this as well? And I'll point out the uh, the well tended two rows in this garden plot. It looks right. like someone's someone's been doing some uh, yard work out here. Yeah, it looks like. Carrots and tomatoes. Carrots and tomatoes. <laughs> well, referee, you got my interest peaked here. <laughs> we'll see what uh, what they're using for fertilizer, perhaps. Yeah, I'll uh, go over to it, and I'll got a good eye on you, Whitmire. I think you entered the wrong line of work. Do you really want to go about digging any of this stuff up? I mean, not unless we see something that... Uh... So spacious. See something that yeah that really catches our eye more than than what it is. I'll uh, uh, go over to one of the rows, tomato row. No, yeah. I'll kind of just dig aside with my hand oh, near okay. near the base of one of it. <laughs> yeah, um, whoever's growing them isn't necessarily a green thumb. You know, they uh, the tomatoes are smallish. Um, as far as what dirt's in there, it just looks like regular dirt to you. Nothing underneath? When you dig under the surface thing, you don't know if they added anything special. They might have just tilled this part and put their seeds down. And same with the carrots. If you if you pull one of those up, you see they're short, stunted yeah. carrots. But I wouldn't. I was just seeing if there's anything yeah. in the soil directly beneath. No, no. Well, I don't know why nothing would, about growing. <laughs> why would a gin need carrots and tomatoes? You guys keep going on about this gin. It might not be a gin. You ever think of that? Uh, more like a gym. <laughs> You're about as bright as a covered lantern. <laughs> uh, but that shed, I'll go check out this uh, smell for you. See if we pick up anything on that. I'll sh- walk away shaking my head, wiping my hand off on my leg. Right. Yeah, so Whitmire... <laughs> Uh, had looked over there on the east side of the house, which uh, it looked like there were two rooms, I should say, when you when you looked in there. So you saw into one that was on the east side. If you went to one of the other windows on the other side, it would look into the other room. Is that what you're going to want to do or just check out the same area that Whitmire looked in? I think I'll kind of head that way, but the, get there, but not look through that side. I'll look through the other side, but I'll still see if I could like get the smell from there. That uh, Whitmire was talking about. I'll also avoid the well as much as possible. Okay. And that's just because I probably knew a kid that died right. falling in a well at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's all any kids ever did until like the 80s. Was yeah. Falling into a well. 
There's a well. Let's go dive. <laughs> dive in. All right. You can tell just by walking on that side that that's where the fireplace is, just because you see the structure outside the, mm. the salt box. Uh, but looking in the room, you can see that's the centerpiece of the room, but it's in a similar state as Whitmire has described about the other room. Uh, there's just an armchair that's in one corner near the fireplace where you could you kind of get a vision of a old-timey guy just sitting there reading, right? And then there's a table that stands against uh, uh, the set of windows that would be on the rear of the building relative to where you are. But um, you can't really make out finer details than that because it's so dim mm. inside. Just dusty and and uh, you do catch a whiff of that smell. You wouldn't quite say it's a corpse smell. Um, it's more like an animal's hovel, right? Like if you a den, or... a den. Yeah, it's kind of like old sweat, old urine, old feces, all kind of mixed up. Gross. Hmm. I'll go over and I'll try the door. Okay. I don't want to disturb too much because this is their thing. Right. But I do want to see if the door is unlocked and if it opens easily. Well, the door on your guys' side is locked. Okay. But Whitmire, you saw a back door to the house as well. Hey, we own the joint. Kick it in, I say, through telepathy. <laughs> I don't know why, but I suddenly <laughs> feel the sudden urge to kick this door in. <laughs> Could I do it? Yeah, if I see him you try, can try the it, door, yeah. then... Uh, I'll let him know. Hey, there. There's a back way, as well, or back door. As I, I didn't try that, but I might be unlocked. All right, let's give it a try. And uh, it ain't a corpse that you're smelling, Whitmire. Uh, I don't quite know what it is. I, I don't know. Kind of reminds me of, I don't know, almost like a a den or something. But uh, it ain't a body, so you can rest easy there. Uh, it's uh. Everybody knows the smell of death in 1920. So it was something foul. I couldn't quite place it. Yeah, so I'll kind of go around uh, to the back, try that door. Yeah, so Clover, you're walking up to that door, but we'll cut scene there and head back to the Boston crew as they go through the front door of Orion's with that eastern sounding chime. And for once, Lamar doesn't look as though... Someone has walked over his grave when you <laughs> enter. I mean, he was kind of expecting you to be around. But, uh, yeah, he does. He brightens up a little bit when you two come in. And he was just like, oh, Mr. Monroe, uh, good to see you. And Dr. Andrews, was that right? I think we met once. Yes, indeed. My pleasure. <laughs> Shake this hand. <laughs> He's like, oh, I see. They got to you, too. <laughs> well, uh, come on in. Make yourself comfortable. I had just made some tea if you're interested. Yeah, that sounds good. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So he pours you out some tea and he says, So I haven't had a great deal of time between my business here at the store to look into the various things you asked me to, but I was interested about the title of that book you said, uh, De Vermis Mysterious. And... <laughs> we have two now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not necessary. See, <laughs> well, I, I wasn't able to track it down. It seems to be a, um, a, a rare book. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find one. I did find some records where it was auctioned off here um, 30 or so years ago to an anonymous buyer, but then disappeared out of sight. Uh, I did, in those auction records, do some research on the author of that book, uh, Ludwig van Prin. I guess. Uh, apparently, he was some kind of sorcerer who was executed during the height of the witch trials 
in uh, Brussels back in the 15th century or so. But according to what I was able to find, this print claims to have been a part of the Ninth Crusade, which was in 1271, which kind of makes him his execution record impossible. Or he would have had to have lived, what, 300 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what little I was able to find is he was apparently captured during the Ninth Crusade. And uh, during his captivity, he learned from wizards and wonder workers in Syria. And that's where he came about the types of things he wrote about. Uh, but apparently he was found living in some pre-Roman uh, tomb. And uh, according to the records, he was amidst a swarm of familiars and and uh, conjurations that his witch hunters dispatched and they put him in chains and executed him. The evidence being fresh bloodstains on pagan altars. Hmm. But that's the long and short of it, Mr. Monroe. That, that fits with uh, some of the things we've heard about it and some of the people that have, we've heard have been using it or looking through it. Uh, did you learn anything about any of those things that he had summoned? No, they were vague and they were in the language of the witch hunters of that time. So hmm. you kind of have to decipher the religious lingo to get what they're talking about. You know, I don't think that they were too interested in categorizing the spirits that he might have had there. And in fact, uh, modern thinkers would say there were no spirits. It, it, it was the pretense by which they needed to yes. execute them. Well, as I know that you have experienced, there are some things that uh, cannot always be explained. Uh, would you happen to have any, any references or any knowledge of it? Uh, perhaps the techniques that were uh, purported to have been used to subdue these, these beings or... Uh, the, the crusaders to eliminate them. When you mention that he should have knowledge of spirits, he clutches that newly <laughs> worn uh, crucifix he has <laughs> sort of absent-mindedly. And he's like, I, again, I get, I gave you that book um, on the gin. I, I'm at a loss as to where to begin. I mean, uh, the, the invocations, the banishments, the, uh, the bindings are as unique as the spirits themselves. So hmm. they seem to be, you know, tethered to to the spirit itself. You would need that specific invocation or binding. I Maybe if we happen across a, a copy of the, the De Vermis <laughs> Mysterious, I could take a crack at it. According to my research, it was supposed to be written in Latin, and I'm not too shabby at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a cursed version of the tome. And an uncursed version. And an uncursed version. Which would you prefer? <laughs> are we certain that both are uncursed or that one is uncursed? No, not not necessarily, but Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I'm not making much headway with this anyway, so we might as well <laughs> Like I don't know that it's cursed, do I? Yeah, you guys you, I mean you were both informed by us. On its retreat. Well, yeah, that there was like, um, yeah, some, but I don't know. Well, you sure. don't know like empirically, right? But you got a pretty darn good feeling because your whole day's been kind of wonky, and yeah. like you're getting more philosophical in your mind than you normally do, um, because it brings up this question that the thing that that memory you're thinking about, which almost seemed like fate to happen to that poor little girl, you know, you you're thinking of all these memories, you're thinking about your time at Harvard. 
when you're kind of going through the classics and you're, you're on the road now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're learning like the old, the old argument between Plato and uh, Aristotle, Aristotle was student. Yeah. Like he, like Plato, it was called the theory of form. Like everything has a perfect form and they're just versions of that. And that that's where truth lied was in the form. Whereas Aristotle said, no, you need to examine the specific form and that's how we'll get to the truth. So, yeah. but you know, the, the echo of that, say, like in Christianity, would be God knows all ends, and yet we're free moral agents. There's always this paradox in the argument. And then in modern times, you would have the theory of evolution kind of saying that, you know, we're expressing a, a particular way. We're on a path. The universe is deterministic. Go ahead. Just uh, to... Yeah. Right. But then again, you have the feeling that, you know, you're, you make decisions on the daily. And even... Uh, John Scott, the noble philosopher at the Lodge Hall, in his lecture upon your ascension to initiate, had focused on these philosophies across time and cautioned against the deterministic outlook of certain scientists of the day that were, you know, in a great cog and were to play the role we would play. He even likened it to pagan thinking, but not necessarily in a bad way, because he even said that pagans had their uh, useful philosophies. The gist was that all philosophies had their use. But yeah, so you're you're like all these thoughts are in your head, and you can't shake the notion of fate. I see of a deterministic and a final destination sort of feeling, which is unusual. Yeah, at least so far as you've played Doctor Andrews. But those thoughts are well. So then I'll be I'll tell him then. Yes. Well, unfortunately, the tome is cursed, and you'll. You'll begin to think incessantly about philosophy and. <laughs> 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 is, is it deterministic or are we free to choose our way <laughs> did well, i choose uh, to come in here i like to think that we have free will did you choose to think that anyway you get my point <laughs> then can you deny taking the toll it's very dangerous <laughs> it's, it's very dangerous so um i couldn't in good conscience leave it in your care i would feel responsible for what inevitably deterministically took place well what, what what are you talking about <laughs> you're far too philosophical for me the to tome penetrate. is cursed man <laughs> okay have you not heard well <laughs> i like the idea of a of a uh, current day guru being like yeah this is over my head <laughs> what are you talking about it's not spiritual it's not it's not woo woo enough yeah. you were using like uh, established find... philosophy scientific <laughs> thinking you gotta get into the weeds a little bit like if i hand you this you'll find yourself on a road being run over by a wagon well that is a disturbing thought but <laughs> well how the odds your... have to be somewhat small. I see mostly cars <laughs> in Boston these days. How is your Latin, uh, Lamar? Uh, pretty good, as you know, uh, as a fellow inter uh, having interest in the occult, as mm -hmm. we do. You know, I have brushed up on it over the years. It was uh, my major. Well, while we may not be willing to let you take the book, perhaps uh, we could bring it by and see if you could help us translate a few pieces where we may be struggling. Yes, uh, just let me know so I can make sure I'm, my schedule is free. Waiting to see if Monroe's eyes starts twitching at the idea <laughs> of Lamar being better at Latin. Latin. So, no, no, no. What was hanging you up on it, uh, do you think? Well, um, I only have a 50. <laughs> it's 50 well, 50 well yeah, so. I, i'm not as good at I, I don't have it i haven't mastered it as 
Well, as I had thought, unfortunately, but also it's handwritten and some of the, you know, uh, you know, it's faded in some areas and perhaps he didn't use as much force on others. And so it's causing. And I'm sure you, you've run across books and tomes where depending on what era it's from, the Latin may vary slightly. And so, yeah, it's just some slight translation there issues. And also the chemicals used to lift the blood stains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is the, the copy that doesn't, isn't covered in blood. Um, yet. Yeah, yet. Well, I'm here until I close up shop. We don't get a ton of traffic on Saturdays. I'd be happy to look at it now if you guys have it on you. Well, should we point out a few of the key locations where we we struggled? Let's see if we can get a little bit of help on it. Okay, so let me see how he does. All right, so Dr. Andrews, you kind of point him to the chapter, which also include the the pentagram like drawing it actually had several but uh that one kind of caught your eye because it looked the most similar to the one you had seen yeah uh scrawled on the floor of the poor college student and that chapter was entitled and entitled saracen rituals which is kind of an antiquated term for uh muslims right we call them saracens right um so yeah he starts looking it over and he pulls out a a blank sheet of paper and he's jotting stuff down as he goes and brewing more tea as necessary. And you guys are free to kind of poke around his shop. Although you've looked over it quite well in recent months and there's no new discoveries in that regard. Like I have mentioned before, he sells a blend between sort of cheap knockoff occult things and some things that you recognize to be legitimately sort Mm -hmm. of an occult practice. But you guys, while you're, uh, while you're sitting there, you can both make an occult roll to me or for me. There it is. Oh, that was on a hard. Uh, it was a regular success. Oh, close. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I tried my best. <laughs> no, trying your best would be pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, as the sun goes down for the evening and it draws near to that closing hour, he's kind of puts a period there at the end of the part of the paragraph he was working on. And he has um, what he thinks is a fair translation given the time he had, and he passes it off to you, which uh, he describes. It seems to be like one of of several stories about the types of spirits he's talking about. But uh, have a read and tell me what you think. Let me share it with you guys. Okay, there in the images as it sort of looks on the page. And then the no uh, wonder we couldn't translate it. And then the translation, at least according to Lamar, says that the heading was just called the Jinn, and uh, the story goes as such: A merchant from Ketia Mafket was traveling to Memphis with goods to be sold for King Djoser's great constructions. By chance, the merchant met a beggar on the road who told of a Jinn who lived in a cave at the top of a mountain. In those days, traders and craftsmen from far and wide traveled to a Nibu hedge, and competition amongst them was fierce. Seeking any advantage that could be gained, the merchant listened to the beggar's story in exchange for water and bread, and then set out for the mountain. Leaving his guards behind, he scaled the slopes with only the help of one of his servants until he came to the place where whirlwinds whipped along the ridges. They seemed like untethered spirits to the merchant. And indeed, the howling they emitted as they blew down the escarpments so terrified the servant that he slipped and fell to his doom. 
Yet the merchant carried on, clinging to scarp and crag, as the whirlwinds pulled at his back. With his last strength spent, he flung himself into the hollow between two great stones, and while he dozed there, an awareness grew of an opening in the wall, from which potent emptiness and darkness were as a lover's whisper in his ear. The noiseless void coaxed him forth until he crawled himself before an ancient earthwork, etched with symbols that described a place and time beyond all reckoning. But upon the earthwork was a chest of gold warded by ancient Aklo. Without heed, the merchant fell upon the chest and found therein ten polished stones of amber. Suspended within were strange creatures. Senseless at his discovery, the merchant was startled by a voice in the chamber and was surprised to find the beggar there. Before words could pass the merchant's lips, the beggar spoke. By what desire do you seek us? he asked. Be it riches and lands, be it power and titles, be it life and health, be it knowledge of the stars and heaven, ask and you shall receive. Who are you that can offer such as these? said the merchant. We are the ambition of man. We are a gift from those beyond. We are the symbiosis with those who came before and those who will come after. We crave the blood and heart of man, the root of his desire. Where once there dwelt a dull and animalistic species, through us and those who fashioned us, you are now a people that know a sliver of what the old ones ken, and may yet know all the stars behold. Know that gifts such as we possess will be visited upon the generations. Be forewarned you must decide with haste, for our desire matches your own, and we crave the blood and heart of man. It is good that you have sacrificed your servant on the slopes of our temple, for by the life in his veins are we afforded this conclave. So speak thy desire. Afterward, when the merchant came to Memphis, he carried with him such dazzling devices and wondrous tinctures that he grew in stature and wealth, and the tree of his family grew as well. But the humble and common folk of the land whispered of sorcerous ways that a strange light surrounded his caravan at night and that a star followed him in the sky ever after. And so it was for his sons, and sons of sons, who were seen as cunning and wise, and blessed as though they were the children of Thoth. And with these children came a new period of great construction and wealth within inner Egypt. This is but one tale of the jinn to which I speak, who are not, not the spirits of Arab and Saracen folklore, but who were a gift to man by the children of Yig, in the days when all of man dwelt in the gardens of their great cities. When the great cataclysm that flooded ancient Lemuria and sent it below the waves occurred, these jinn, like the seeds of a tree, were carried far and wide to lands on unknown shores. And uh, this comes up pretty automatically for you, Monroe. Uh, Thoth is an ancient Egyptian deity of wisdom, magic, mathematics, the sciences, and a number of other things. He's usually depicted as a man with the head of an ibis or baboon. <coughs> Uh, he shares many attributes with the Greek god Hermes, and also Hebrew scholars uh, drew parallels <coughs> between him and Moses. There's actually a, a term they use, it's you humorize. They actually believe Moses could have been the human figure of Hermes, the human basis for Hermes and Thoth, right? Mm. But that's what I got so far. Okay. Is that written somewhere that i can yeah let me paste it for you um would it be possible just to put it in that tale of the gin handout yeah okay awesome i was trying to keep up in writing but i was way too slow 
Okay, it should be there for you guys to see. Now, there are a couple of terms that sort of trigger your experiences in recent years. You know, Lemuria is often a name that is conflated with Mu. It could mean the same place. Uh, the children of Yig, you had read about in the Liber Ivanus. Mm-hmm. And it has some association with the serpent folk that that book also spoke about. Now, if you recall, the serpent folk in the distant past had had some schism in their religious thinking where some remained true to Yig, known as the father of serpents, or at least written about in the Libra Ivanus that way. And uh, a sect broke off and began to worship Zagua, which seemed to be the ones you dealt with in the last couple of months. But like much of this sort of writing, it kind of opens up more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of it, Monroe? Well, there are several things in there that are rather interesting to me. The fact that there was Aklo on the chest suggests that it came from an even more ancient civilization. Um, the fact that they were meant to be a gift is quite contrary to what we had anticipated. Uh, we had, From kind of the things that we were told, they were summoned and bound and resented being bound, so that's something that's a little bit surprising. Um, yeah. Well, you know, modern thinking might have colored that description. I know the ancients thought differently about death, mm. particularly the Egyptians. I'm not sure what this Ludwig would think. Perhaps it still means death, but he thinks it's he, it's a gift if he was some sort of self-styled sorcerer. <laughs> I am curious who this merchant was. Well, you can roll your archaeology or even history in this case. Okay. Yeah. Same with you, Dr. Andrews, if you have a decent history. Yeah, I've got Let's go with archaeology. Apparently I have neither. Okay. Well, you know, King Djoser kind of anchors the story into ancient Egypt, the old kingdom. So this would be where the oldest... Uh, hieroglyph writings of Egypt come from that period. Yeah, it, it, like it doesn't say it in there, but it also makes me curious if this merchant just happens to be like Narlathotep, because some of the things that we've come across have kind of mentioned that he had access to powers or things that others didn't, uh, uh, and the dis description of him carrying dazzling devices and wonderful tinctures and things. And if not directly Narlathotep, then hmm. perhaps. Also gathering uh, people that kind of yeah, like growing in fame. Uh, but, who's this you mentioned now? I'm not familiar with. Is this one of the kings in the old kingdom or? Um, more a, a religious figure. A sorcerer of great renown and power. Well, I'm kind of at my limit for today, gentlemen. Well, thank you <laughs> quite a bit. That's, this was uh, fills in several gaps that we've had, yeah. so I appreciate your help. <laughs> Dr. Andrews is like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, anyone can look at a bunch of squiggles and come up with words. Yeah. There um, is um, something about the language does kind of 
bring to mind passages that you read in the Liber Ivanus, and there was a fragment of poetry in particular that comes to mind uh, for you, Monroe, that you should have it in the handout, or in your magic items, tomes, and occult books called Fragment of Strange Poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at last from inner Egypt came the strange dark one to whom the fellas bowed. Silent and lean and cryptically proud, and wrapped in fabrics red as sunset's flame, throngs pressed around, frantic for his commands, but leaving could not tell what they had heard, while through the nations spread the awestruck word that wild beasts followed him and licked his hands. Soon from the sea a noxious birth began, forgotten lands with weedy spires of gold. The ground was cleft and mad auras rolled, down on the quacking citadels of man, then crushing what he chanced to mold and play, the idiot chaos blew Earth's dust away. Perhaps the same figure. Perhaps. I like to think Monroe recited that on the spot. <laughs> Roll your... Uh... I, I probably did. <laughs> yeah. What would that be for reciting? Oh, uh, I don't really have... I think a uh, memory kind of stand... Or, I don't know, sometimes it can go the intelligence route or education. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so he says, well, I... Got to close up and get rest for a new day. So I like to think that it's Monroe gets through reciting and, uh, yeah, like Lamar's a, looking at him. He's like, All right, yeah, I got to right. close up. You can go now. <laughs> well, uh, Andrews is, a, is in a dark place already, so he didn't notice the dimming of the ambient light yeah. outside <laughs> and the lowering of lit flames as you recited, but. Lamar yeah. did, and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> anyway, I'll uh, I'll you know give him a little bit of money to thank him for his assistance in it, and you can expect us tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll ask him if we come across any other passages that we struggle with. Would you be willing to help us in the future as well? Yes, of course. This is very fascinating. Usually, I mean, there is much occult that stems from ancient. Egyptian practices, but most often I find they're visited by some, you know, visited by Mike, Michael or Gabriel to give them a mm. new, uh, a new prophecy, or uh, it's from Eastern mysticism. But this is kind of a new, a new path for me. Yeah. But yes, so we'll close with him, you know, letting you guys out, closing the door behind you, and you hear the locks being thrown and. We'll uh, jump back to <laughs> Detective Glover, whose hand was poised to check the door, the back door to the salt box house there. Mm-hmm. But as your hand is reaching toward it, you hear the sound of tires crunching gravel on the road, like coming down. So you pause and you see that sheriff's truck. And he kind of pulls up beside, like out of view, but you hear the slowing of the tires and the squealing of brakes and... You reckon he's probably parked somewhere behind uh, Whitmire's vehicle. Was and John following me around? or Whitmire? I'm not sure what exactly Whitmire was doing. So if you stayed on the other side, Whitmire, then you actually see the the sheriff drive by at the end of that lane. But you definitely hear him stop. You even hear like a car door, heavy car door open and, and close. As I had gone around to the back as well. Okay. So yeah, you guys aren't seeing it. But yeah, you hear the door close and then you're hearing... Uh, boots crunching on gravel, right. approaching near. Uh-huh. Pull your pull your gun. Looks like we got interrupted. Uh, with my, <coughs> I'll uh kind of rearrange my hat, make it look like I'm more disheveled 
maybe slightly confused to go into my standard <laughs> right uh like <laughs> throw them off type mode and i'll start walking around to greet them i'll put my hands in my pockets right okay Whitmire disappears like a puff of smoke. <laughs> All right, Whit- yeah. Whitmire, where's that boy go? As uh, you hear uh, another car door open and close, and he had one start. stashed in the woods over there. <laughs> he did it before the scenario began. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah. So you guys uh, head down to that main gravel path that comes up to the house, and you see him walking down there. And he's a he's a lean, middle aged fella. You know, looks like he subsists on nuts and jerky mm. and the fish that he catches every now and then. He's about to enter his his potentially mummified old man state. <laughs> but uh, buttermilk to it. And these days, a small you know county sheriff doesn't really wear like a uniform. They do wear the badge and everything. That's how you recognize them. What you do see sort of shimmering there as the sun is going past its uh, highest point, uh, just there pinned on his. Uh, he's got like a vest over a long sleeve shirt and you see the gun belt on his hip kind of throwback to the old West style. And, uh, he comes walking up, raises a hand at you. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Yeah. I'll kind of, uh, give a acknowledgement, you know, like touch my fingers to the side of my hat, the brim. Ah, sheriff, pleasant day. Is all the days out here like this? I think I might move me and the wife out this way now that the kids are in college. Well, not uh, all of them. They get, it, it gets cold and wet out here coming up soon. Ah, uh, oh, sorry. Ah, uh, um, just like, I'm um, Jack Glover. Oh, yeah. He uh, puts his, he puts his, uh, hand out and he says, You can call me Hooper. That's what most people Hooper. Are, That's a good name. Um, and, uh, he looks at, Whitmire, and he says, you must be Merriweather, then I take it. Uh, James, actually. Is, uh, unfortunately, Mather, or Merriweather is no longer with us. He hmm. passed a short time ago. Uh, we're currently in charge of his estate, and we're uh, investigating it. Well, that is strange, because I spoke to a Merriweather on the phone, and uh, he wanted me to keep an eye on the property here. He was worried... Some people might be around snooping around, and I assumed one of you was Merriweather. <laughs> well, we're certainly not snooping, <laughs> but uh, we are, in fact, in possession of the deed, legally binding. Is that so? Yeah, yes, we are. You mind if I take a look at it, then? Did we bring the will <laughs> or the um, deed? I think we did. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you guys I had, had it. I, we just didn't keep track of the mm. chain of custody. I'm not going to make you like roll anything. If you want to have it and the other players are in agreement, I don't know, maybe Monroe wants to hold all the deeds <laughs> for some no. reason. But assuming you plan to come look at the property, the deed also came with a key, which common sense kind of dictates that you would have at least grabbed the key. Mm. Right, to get the door. So we'll say that you have the deed since yeah. there's no argument against yeah. it. Yeah, and like for the most part, I never stated I was planning to enter the house, just testing to right. see if it was locked. Uh, so yeah. Testing uh, the, uh, how much force it would take for the door to swing open. Well, like if I, uh, like I'm thinking if it's locked, no one's been going in or out type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'll motion to Whitmire to produce the, the deed. Yeah, I'll uh, pull out an envelope and give him the uh, deed. Yeah. I was there at the reading of the will. I think I know this Merriweather fellow you were talking about. 
He was starting to cause all sorts of problems. I know that, you know, gossip, you don't care about that type of stuff. Family matters. It was a private thing, I understand. But, man, he was he was not taking it well. <laughs> hmm. This was uh, his son? I do believe so. Well, that must be the fellow I spoke to on the, on the phone. He told me a story that there were some people he expected would come down here and make trouble on his property. He said he was the rightful property, but this deed, as near as I can tell, looks legitimate, so that puts me in a bit of a pickle here. I wonder what I should do about this. <laughs> and he kind of stops and thinks for a minute. <laughs> and he's like, um, hmm. Well, if you want, we can put off for any further investigation. I'm actually, well, what's the term? Because, like, I'm hired on to Meriwether's estate, essentially. Right, yeah. I'm working on behalf of Meriwether's uh, estate itself. Uh, but these, uh, this gentleman here, as well as a couple others back in uh, Boston, are actually the deed holders. So I'm just here to assist them, make sure everything is sound. Uh, we can put this off if you want. I don't want to cause you any problems. That might be for the best. It would be a shame for me to make trouble for Meriwether if he's in the right. Not that I'm mm. saying he is or doubting you guys, but... That's lawyer's business, not ours, right? Which is what he claims to be, and uh, I don't want to get in any trouble down here. Yeah. I already got new new rules coming in faster than I can keep up with them, so... yeah. I got hit with one of those the other time, or a couple of weeks back. Uh, I'm currently on vacation. You, mm. you shoot some hood, and suddenly they, they worry about it. Yeah, can't even kill a guy. I used to shoot uh, hobos to ride the rails here just for fun, but I guess those days are gone. Yeah, modern world's <laughs> coming in. As, uh, Rewind. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear you're in trouble. It. Oh, we're actually rewinding that? <laughs> he doesn't actually shoot the hobos for fun. What he were you saying, say Whitmire? He does <laughs> say Whitmire's looking on, just uh, nodding in agreement because he knew it. <laughs> <laughs> All along. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that is a, is a very good idea, Mr. Glover. Um, if you give me just a day or two to, to look in, because I'm sure they have a record now of who this deed belongs to, and uh, I can for certain ascertain that it belongs to you, then I won't give you any more trouble. All right. Uh, yeah, besides, uh, from what I was hearing from uh, that nice old lady at the uh, gas station, seems like you might be having your hands full soon. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, Miss Smith. Mrs. McFurter, she went up and went missing. My thought is she probably fell in a ditch or or just fell down somewhere, and we have yet to find her. Yeah, when you get to that age, stuff like that happens, especially when out here. But you never know. We, Like I said, um, when I was joking about shooting the uh, hobos, you do get a lot of people riding the track over there. He points south to the, the train track, you know, and uh, every now and then I got to shoo them away from the... You know, the train, the old train depot there, they like to, to sleep in it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made it up in this property of yours. Ah, uh, yeah. So be on the lookout. Some of them, yeah, most of them don't do any harm, but some of them can get real violent. We were noticing that you got a, or that someone's been tending a, a nice little patch of garden there, coming in stunted. My wife would, she'd be tearing her hair out if her vegetables came in like that. Oh, yeah. I'd say you probably had somebody who was staying here on. Uh, doesn't look like anybody's here now, but did you guys check inside yet? Not yet. Yeah, you came around just before we were about to enter. 
But it seems like the place is still locked up. Uh, so, well, well, not too sure. Well, let me, uh, and he walks up to the, the corner of the house and he kind of bangs on the side of it. And he's like, if anybody's in there, you need to clear out. These boys will be coming back in a day or two. And, uh, yeah, we'll just give them a chance. With shotguns. <laughs> Fine work, Sheriff. Fine work. With McCracken. <laughs> yeah. Release Someone the McCracken. Yeah, with his eight-gauge shotgun. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess, uh, sorry for uh, troubling you. Uh, oh, that's no trouble. We didn't know that he was actually going to get all in someone's hair over this stuff. I thought he was just throwing a tantrum at the reading. Well, you know, family's tough. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say about that. Especially with a tragic loss like that. But uh, if you go back to the the general store and talk to Miss Mrs. Peters, I think she uh, still rents a room or something if you guys need a place to stay close by. But uh, you can also catch the bus out of here. Or it looks like that's your vehicle. Drive back to Arkham. Will you be staying here? I don't really think so. I think we could probably make it back to Boston before it gets too dark out here. You know, personally, I'm too used to my bed. Some of my wife's cooking. You know, I, I don't think I could stay away from the house for more than a day. Well, I understand That's how that. they get you. <laughs> they feed you. <laughs> Crafty. Uh, well, he offers his hand, and he's like, well, I'm still on the lookout, so um, why don't you do me a favor when you guys come back in? I'll, I'll uh, send you off a message when I get confirmation. You have a place I can send that to that might work best for you. And he gets whatever that is from you. All right. And he says, yeah, so when you come back in town, just uh, stop on by and let me know you're here. That way, if I see lights burning in the house, I'll know it's you. Will do, Sheriff. Thank you. It's been been real good meeting you. It has been a pleasure for me as well. Good afternoon. You too. You too. You can stop sweating. Whitmire, he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you hear a shot up. ring out. He's like, there's one now. <laughs> a whole gaggle of them. Pow, 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 pow. Oh, I thought he was shooting Whitmire, or Whitmire was shooting <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, that's too. <laughs> I don't Pretty even bad. have a gun anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he disappears down the end of that path, um, gets back in his yeah. truck and, and heads down the way. Yeah, and just in case he looks back or anything, I'll start hobbling. That way? Yeah, that way. You know, kind of my old man shuffle. All right, so what are you guys actually going to do? You want to go check out that uh, station? The train station? Yeah, see if there's any hobos there currently. Because the sheriff seems to kind of have his eyes closed to any, you know, any wrongdoings or uh, things that might be going on, but they might not be so close-minded. Or we can just get out of town with my hatch up to you. Uh, this what, is your... what are you uh, hoping to uncover something... About that missing persons, or are you hoping to find Maybe someone just, who's willing to go in there? Um, no. I'm not going to send some innocent soul into a potential death trap, whether I believe it or not. But they could have people missing. The sheriff isn't likely to care about them, nor are they likely to report it. Yeah, we can go check that out. Not right. Let's, uh, get ready for the bumpiest ride of your life. <laughs> Please, Whitmire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that mustard was we got from that that gas station, but it ain't sitting no too pretty, all right. So you just <laughs> calm, calm down. Yeah. So you uh, drive on down the road and you get it as near as you can. You're not seeing any road in particular that goes up to the train 
station, at least off of Boone Road. It might come in from another direction, but you get to a point where you just have a short bit of field to cross before you would come up on that train station and the accompanying train tracks. And uh, you don't see any people out there. And even from that distance, you can see the windows and, and doors have been boarded up, uh, at least from this angle. Right. So, but yeah, you guys are parked there on the side of the road with a short stretch of field between you. Yeah, I'll uh, get out and uh, start walking that way. Okay. Yeah, I'll follow him. Yeah, uh, as you draw closer, you can see how kids might say the place is haunted, just as they think any abandoned place is haunted. But uh, the wood and the paint's gone all gray from weathering, and uh, it would make a nice cover to a a spooky story book, one of the pulp pulp books. Would have loved this place as a kid, getting <laughs> all tangled up, splinters, nails all over the place. Oh, yeah, would have been fun. <laughs> Throwing rocks through the windows. And as you guys are looking at it, you can make a spot hidden for me. So do the trains not run through here anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you can actually hear one distant. They just don't. The depot's not used anymore. Oh, okay. They just go straight through. Now, technology's got well, a little bit better. Succeeded. Hardly succeeded. Oh, I got to put a check. <laughs> I don't think that one was right. Uh, it's all right, both though, did pretty good. because uh, Detective Glover treated extremely. You got to do that shot where you can spot evidence that you plant. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as you guys were walking around the far side, the one nearest the train tracks, uh, you see it's all closed up, but you see there's a section of it where the nails are kind of loose in the hole on the side of the building, right? Like it um, it kind of rattles a little bit when uh, the train starts getting closer to where you guys are, the one that's been coming from a distance, you know, like the structure shutters a little bit and you see that boarding, the part where it's boarded up just rattle there. Mm. Looks like it's um, it could either come loose really easy or it was made mm. to go back in that spot and come loose. Yeah, I'll kind of point with my cigar. Looks like uh, that's where they're probably getting in and out. <laughs> Let's go give it a look yeah. with my... Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, it looks like only one nail is like firmly in there. So when you kind of pry it, like it's, yeah, swings off to the side. And uh, there's just enough for somebody who's not too big to get through. You know, like you can be a fat guy and get in here. But most hobos aren't, so... Yeah. But when you remove the board, you know, you get a whiff. This odor is the corpse smell. So yeah, that's I'll, what you get coming out of that place. I'll put my... uh Kind of, I'll kind of bite down on my cigar, get a nice big uh, bit of nicotine from that, maybe help kill the smell, and then kind of hold my fingers to my nose. Okay. Try to block it. That with my as a corpse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or decaying, uh, that's anyway. The, that's the familiar smell. Um, let's, uh, I got a couple electric torches in the trunk. Uh, maybe we should grab some of those just to Do be I, on the safe side. I think I can make it through. That plank, that or yeah, you I think, think so. I can... What or you're pretty big. I'm aren't eighty. You? Yeah, yeah. Um, you think you might have to get? You're pretty sure Whitmire get in there, no problem. I'm pretty you, sure he can too. You might have to loosen one of those boards, All one right. of the other boards, if you're wanting to make it in there. Well, I'll let him go get those torches while I ponder how I'm going to convince him to go in alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, alternatively, uh, if, if I recognize this. Uh... I guess is it uh is there a good chance that I've still got the uh crowbar that we mm. I'd used when we uh 
uh, last uh, season when we had to open up that court or that uh, crypt that the corpse was in. Yeah, I think you have trunk. the crowbar. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'll bring that back too. All right. And, with my. Uh, uh, go for it. Didn't look like uh, like this would uh, accommodate a, a man of your stature. As, uh, <laughs> if you, you want to keep it intact, boards off. You could try to pass a, a hard dex roll. Yeah. I was, I, so I'm gonna tell him, you know, try not to disturb anything here. Uh, I don't want us getting pointed at in any way if this body mm. gets discovered. No, you're fine to go in without the dex roll, Whitmire. Uh, it's just if you didn't want to pry any boards off. Uh, Glover, oh, no, I'm, in. I'm prying boards off. Oh, okay. Yeah, you guys There's don't no even need a check for that. Okay. So yeah, you pry off the next board over, which makes a space for you both to uh, clamber in and hop down. Yeah, I'll turn on the light and yeah, start looking. Which is a different experience oh. when you get good. Also, before we go in, I'll see if Whitmire wants a cigar to help uh, with the smell. Yeah. 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 I'll. Uh, I'll uh, I don't even know. Is shove some uh break off one of my roll a cigarette break it in half and stuff it up my nose mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I i know they're most are filterless these days so that'll yeah. have to do yeah well i mean you've been around this a fair bit given your career not as much as glover because that's his day in and day out is looking at corpses but uh once you get in there it's a fair bit different from being out where fresh air is still circulating because now you're yeah uh, close in with it and it just gets in your nose and really the cigar or whatever methods you take might just kind of help you keep your mind off of it rather than than blunt the actual yeah, it's smell. It's not gonna mask the entire thing. They just uh, sort of like being in the open air. The as a, far as I could would figure it as far as uh, helping. Um, not be overwhelmed, right? Yeah, so uh, I'll go in first. Uh, if unless Whitmire has extreme ex- uh, objection to it, yeah, no, okay, uh, you okay, can go ahead. Yeah, I'll pull my gun and hop, hop on in. in. Yeah, so you sweep that torch around the room and you see, you know, old benches that were fastened to the floor where people might sit, uh, waiting to catch a train somewhere, an old uh, ticket taker's booth, and some real old papers floating around that are torn up. You know, they kind of are have... they Monroe flyers? <laughs> There's one in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How does he do it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some old newspapers had been put up in that ticket takers. It's more like a room, right? There's like a room within the the depot, but it had glass all around it, uh, which is mostly intact. There's a few chips here and there at the corners, but somebody had put paper up on the inside of. Mm. of that room so you can't see into it right um give me it's uh yeah we'll take a spot hidden there extreme success okay so yeah you sweep those lights up into the rafters it was pretty sharply steepled so you have a uh kind of a web of beams supporting all that and it's a amidst part of this crevice like where the beams meet together that you see a pretty large shape just jammed up in between two of them they're fairly certain what that is uh yep like there's no really discounting it as being a human corpse but uh you're immune to this sort of thing whitmire you're not so if you can give me a sanity roll has he built up any sort of resistances to it yet to corpses uh yeah i think he but he's okay 
Okay. Well, I mean, well, when you take into account the stuff we saw in Peru, I, I think a normal corpse is uh, is okay. It's like an average day thing. <laughs> yeah, so um, looking at where the position of that corpse is, you see there's a bunch of old crates that were kind of jammed up against the wall, and you could see how somebody could hop up at those and hit that low beam and then crawl up there. So, but... That corpse is kind of directly above that, perched, sort of jammed in between two beams coming together. I don't know if I'm young enough to make that climb, Whitmire. What is the body? Is it beyond recognizing, or is it a hobo in appearance? Uh, yeah, it has those kind of clothes, just well-worn, well-weathered. Can we see the wound, or...? No, not not without getting up there. Of course, you still have the ticket-taker's booth. <laughs> All right, so what would it be to climb up there, or to be climbing? Yeah, uh, climbing at the regular level, you you could rely on decks, too. We'll just knock it up to hard. There's a bit of a leap up to that I-beam, or the, not the I-beam, but the wooden beam. I'm going to regret the day I decided to come to this town. Nice. Yep, I knew it. Hard success. <laughs> I was hoping I would fail, because that was a kind of a low, low one for me. <laughs> be like uh real fake like oh i can't reach it but i'm not even extending my arm all the way up <laughs> don't forget to put your check <laughs> yep as i just put it on there i figured you'd have good climbing being that you're like a second story man for the whole first season eh, i rely on luck mainly <laughs> ladders i rely <laughs> on <laughs> ladders <Stairs. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you hop up up the top of that highest crate and you know catch that beam with your hands and pull yourself up and uh, you start working your way, you know, across all these slanted beams. And when you get close to this corpse and you bring your hand back, you can see it's sort of rust colored, mm. like came away with a bunch of dried blood. It was directly below this guy, but now he's just right above you. Yeah. Uh, how do you want to take it from there? Don't Kinda... touch it with my, uh, just see it while we died. <laughs> yeah. I'll shine my, my light around and see if I can tell. Uh, I mean, I'm no expert in this. Uh, so I, is there a gun wound or a bullet wound or a, uh, a knife wound that I, did can the identify? sheriff do this? <laughs> yeah. If there's a bunch of blood, I mean, okay. Yeah. So you have to get yourself into a position to get above him a little bit, uh, which is somewhat precarious, but your climb roll covers it. So you can kind of look down at the front of him, but you do see a smooth hole in his chest where it looks like the ribs were kind of pried outward and just an empty cavity beyond, dried and desiccated at this time. Looks but, like the sheriff took a shotgun to his back. <laughs> but he's describing the wound to you. Okay. Stop yeah. joking around with my... Uh... <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's got a hole in his chest, so... And it's it definitely wasn't natural causes. All right, Whitmire, come on down. Let's get out of here quick. <laughs> this place ain't good. <laughs> I have to tell me twice. While he's climbing down. Head down. Curiosity. <laughs> I'll go over to that ticket booth. Is there like one of the, what is it, like where the ticket salesman would stand? Right. Pass yeah. tickets through? Yeah. Is that open? Uh, no, it's still papered over, but it there's an opening between the glass and the paper, I mean, it's just newspaper, right? Yeah. You can just push it in or lift it up, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I'll pull out my knife and I'll just kind of cut a circle in it. 
or cut it out and look in, look shine in. my electric torch in. So there's stuff stacked in there, and you, you think stuff at first because your mind doesn't quite put it together, but then you realize that it's bodies stacked in there, more transients. And if you were a betting man, they'd all have holes in their chest with the ribs look like they're pushed outward. And that's where we'll have to close for today. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, so, thanks for playing, guys. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> uh, a nice right. image. Yeah. Uh, Apologies to Monroe and Andrews. You guys fell in your roles. I couldn't think more yeah. to do. <laughs> This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.